of Eccentrica. As always, I'm your host Amy Walker, and today I'm going to be going through a story from history with my special guest, Dave Bond. Good evening, folks. Thank you for joining us, Dave. Uh, yeah, no problem. I have. Uh, I feel bad now because this, this podcast has been like promoted on my feed for a few days, and I've deliberately ignored it because I know I'm an early guest, and I just thought, <laughs> let's go in. Let's go in blind. I, I, you know, I kind of like the smell of fear. <laughs> So everyone seems really worried at this stage because it's it's new to them. They haven't heard it yet. They're all it's actually uh, actually with me. With small, I kind of like. I, I kind of. I don't think I like in theory, but in practice, it turns out <laughs> I kind of like just being put completely on the spot. So uh, I thought, let's go with that. Although I did see what I did see the story you put out. You did with a D, but again, okay. I just did not probe how that show came out yet. I will do. I'll subscribe once I've once mine comes out, and then I'll listen. <laughs> you'll you'll commit to it once you've been on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, that's that's true of a lot of things in life. <laughs> well, at least you're at least you're openly honest about it. It's like I'm not going to subscribe to anything until I've been. Well, on I am going to subscribe, but I don't want. I didn't want to like. I didn't want to get. I just had this image of me driving around today, like listening to it, and then trying to map it to what it would be like with me on it. Best not. When I first went on Smorgasbord, I'd not heard it, and that's kind of worked out pretty well. So, well, fingers crossed it'll uh, it'll work out here, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so let's um, jump into this story then. Okay. Leo Major was born on January twenty third, nineteen twenty one, in New Bedford, Massachusetts, to French Canadian parents, while his father was working for the American Railroad Company. However, before his first birthday, his family returned to Montreal. Okay. Due to a poor relationship with his father, he moved to live with an aunt from the age of 14. This strange relationship, combined with a lack of available work, led Majors to join the army in 1940. He said that this was also to prove to his father that he was somebody to be proud of. Majors started his overseas tour in 1941, serving in Le Regiment de la Chaudière. You've overstretched yourself there, haven't you, Amy? Yeah, I don't know why I keep picking these stories with pronunciations. I cannot do... Okay. I think I'm going to have to put a disclaimer at the start of every episode saying, you are. please forgive my pronunciations. <laughs> at, at, at this point, he, jo- he joined insert name of regiment. That's what you should <laughs> I think from this point, it's a bit better with place names and the names of things, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right. We're off to a flyer. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> on June 6th, 1944, he was among the Canadian forces that landed on the beaches of Normandy. During a reconnaissance mission on D-Day, Major captured a German half-track armoured fighting vehicle single-handedly. The vehicle contained German communication equipment and secret German army codes. How impressive that is depends on whether anyone's in it at the time. Because I reckon I can capture any vehicle single-handed if it's just that there. 
he he's found it parked. Partic- particularly <laughs> as I don't imagine I don't imagine uh, like tanks of the day had like crook locks on them or anything. <laughs> Well, whilst it's possible there weren't many people there... Well, on the, what, the, hang on, there weren't many people there. The D-Day landing. <laughs> quiet here today, isn't it? <laughs> I meant at the tank. Oh, OK. Oh, dear, this is a mistake. <laughs> Carry on. I want to hear more about Lee Majors or whoever it is. When does he do the $6 million man? Because I feel like we're a few decades away from that yet. <laughs> to be honest, he's going to put the $6 million man to shame. OK, then. <laughs> Later that same day, Major came across an SS patrol. He managed to kill four of the soldiers. However, one of them ignited a phosphorus grenade, which exploded beside him. The story's not gone into detail there, is it? He came across four people and just killed them. Yeah, I, <laughs> is, I found very vague reports. This is casual violence and <laughs> it's most casual. To be honest, this is D-Day. There's, there's going to be a lot of reports if they want all the details. That's true, actually. I never thought there's other somewhere on that beach Scotty's getting his fingers shot off. So yeah, fair enough. <laughs> okay, so so he has what thrown at him? A phosphorus what? Phosphorus grenade. Okay. As a result of this, he loses most of the vision in his left eye. Okay. Whilst the doctors in the Royal Canadian Army Medical Corps tried to have him sent back home, he refused, insisting that whilst he still had one good eye, he could still aim down the sights of his rifle and carry on fighting. This is a Nick Fury origin story, isn't it? <laughs> he he is very Nick Fury. <laughs> yeah. And at that point, he formed S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> this was a statement that he would go on to prove as he was placed in a scout platoon where he earned himself a reputation as an excellent sniper. <laughs> yeah. He remembered to put the sort of sight up to the correct eye then. <laughs> I just had a bit of a naked gun flashback there where, where like Frank Drebin was looking into the microscope. I can't see a thing. Try your open eye, Frank. <laughs> it was also reported that at the time of his injury, he remained in good spirits, especially when he began to wear an eye patch over his injured eye. And according to him, he looked like a pirate. <laughs> so okay. he's, di- he's digging the injury. <laughs> Right, he's he's basically trying to like create himself as a bit of a brand while he's still on the beach. <laughs> right, okay. I've seen a marketing angle to this. In October 1944, Major found himself part of the Battle of Scheldt, a military operation by Canadian, British, and Polish forces to try and gain control of both sides of the Scheldt estuary. During this month-long operation, Major was sent out on reconnaissance alone. While scouting the area, he spotted two German soldiers walking along a dike. As it was raining and cold, Major said to himself, this is an actual quote from him, I'm frozen and wet because of you, so you will pay. Okay. (laughs) So he's cold and pissed off. (laughs) All right. Better than being cold and pissed on. Following the two soldiers at a distance, he waited until they split up. He captured the first German soldier and attempted to use him as bait so he could capture the other. The second German soldier attempted to use his gun on Major, but Major quickly killed him. Forcing the captured soldier to lead him to the rest of his garrison, Major then infiltrated the garrison, captured the commanding officer, and forced him to surrender. How many people has he killed today so far? So he's basically, <laughs> he's, he's, nicked, he's nicked someone's wheels, right? Got the crook lock off and everything. And then casually killed four people, then tried to get a couple of people to split up or something, killed them, and now he's onto a commanding officer. This guy is having quite a casually awesome day. 
Oh yeah. And he's also and he's also branded himself as Captain Birdseye or something. <laughs> Going well. Um, you'll find out. But this is actually a quiet day for him. <laughs> okay. Major took the remaining soldiers prisoner and began to escort them back to the Canadian front line. As the procession of prisoners passed a nearby village, SS troops witnessed German soldiers being escorted by a lone Canadian soldier and opened fire. They managed to shoot their own soldiers, killing seven and injuring a number. Unwilling to give up his prisoners, Major disregarded enemy fire and kept escorting his prisoners to Canadian <laughs> Disregarded? <front line. laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's an attitude to being shot, isn't it? So what? <laughs> Is that all you got to do? <laughs> Why did Nagasaki think of that? <laughs> like, nah. <laughs> Fucking nuke drops on you and you're like, nah, I'm disregarding it. On the way back to the front line, he passed a Canadian tank and ordered them to open fire on the attacking SS troops, eliminating them all. Everything's done it. Everything, I'm picturing everything here being done at a sort of casual, jaunty sort of stroll. It's just it sort seems of strolling like nothing's phasing him. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm imagining <laughs> keeping a remarkably even pace through all of this. <laughs> when he arrived back at camp, he had 93 German soldiers prisoner with him. 93? Yes, he captured 93. And he's managed to keep them in place. Well, he's got one eye. And there's only so many guns he can hold. Did it, none of the 93 think, why don't we just disregard his order? <laughs> Voiced by his own petard, he would be then. So he turned, so he turned, so, so, so far, so, so far, he's nicked someone's wheels, got the crook lock off, killed four people, all at the same casual jaunty pace, right? Split up two soldiers, <laughs> captured their commanding officer, and then strolled back to base with 93 of his best new friends. Yep. Well, this, and he still hasn't been signed to the six million dollar man. <laughs> As a result of his actions, he was awarded the Distinguished Conduct Medal, a British medal for gallantry. Okay, why are the British suddenly giving him medals? Wasn't he Canadian? Yeah, but during um, times of war, they can give it to their allies on joint operations. Oh, oh, allies on joint operations. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just random. He didn't stroll into base with 93 of them and say, stay there, lads, I'm going to call the fucking British and see what they make of this. I just imagine they have like, a, a, did, a sack of medals and you put your hand in and you feel like, oh, oh, it's a British one. Okay, I guess oh, I'll have that. Fix it, badge. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Great. Okay. So he's so now he's getting medals from people who had nothing to do with his day. Fantastic. However, Major refused the invitation to receive the medal because, according to him, General Bernard Montgomery, the commander of the British Eighth Army, who was to present him with the award, was incompetent and in no position to be giving out medals. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that kind of ruins the story somewhat because he was casually cool and now it turns out he's kind of a bit arrogant, really, isn't he? <laughs> he's not only had to have the awesome day of awesome days, but he has to finish it off by, like, chucking shade at his allies. <laughs> by the way, see all this I've just done? Your shit. <laughs> In February 1945, Major was helping a military chaplain load corpses from a destroyed tiger tank into a carrier. After they were finished, the chaplain and the driver seated themselves in the front while Major jumped in the back of the vehicle. The carrier struck a landmine. <laughs> this has shades of sort of that, um, you know, that really extended murder attempt on Rasputin? <laughs> yes. 
It's like nothing will take this guy down. Yeah. Then he drove over a mine. <laughs> landed on a trampoline and then like you know, bounced into a threshing machine. <laughs> okay, carry on. Major claims to have remembered a loud blast, followed by his body being thrown into the air and smashing down hard on his back. He lost consciousness and awoke to find... Not to interrupt you for anything flippant, but can I just say tee-hee hard on? (laughs) He lost consciousness and awoke to find two concerned medical officers trying to assess his condition. He simply asked if the others were okay. They did not answer his questions, but proceeded to load him onto a truck so that he could be transported to a field hospital 30 miles away, stopping every 15 minutes to inject morphine to relieve the pain in his back. Okay. I don't know how how close together I'd expect field hospitals to be, but like I would think in most countries you'd find a hospital within 30 miles anyway. <laughs> so basically, they've probably built the hospital further away but made it out of tent. Yeah, because they've probably blown the proper one to pieces. <laughs> I never thought, I never considered that eventuality. Yeah. Should we go to the hospital? Ah, we've blown it up. We've got a tent though. We've got a tent though, <laughs> with Hawkeye in it. I have to admit, my knowledge of field hospitals comes from a couple of episodes of MASH. Doesn't everyone's? Yeah. Same as an ordinary hospital, but a bit drunker, a bit more womanising, <laughs> and a bit more stubble. When he arrived at the field hospital, a doctor informed him that he had broken his back in three places, as well as four of his ribs and both of his ankles. <laughs> okay, go on. Again, doctors told him that the war was over for him and that we would have to return home to Canada. And he said, flesh wound! (laughs) Pretty much. A week went by with him recovering from his wounds in the field hospital. Then he took the opportunity and ran away. Okay, ran. Are we sure about this? (laughs) Two broken ankles, a broken back, and four broken ribs. And he, Usain, bolted it out of there. I, I can just picture him dragging himself yeah, out did, of this hospital I'm imagining tent. him sticking on like a pair of rocket pants or something. Because <laughs> this guy is wildly implausible so far. He managed to get a ride from a passing jeep that drove him to a Dutch town where he had previously met a family. He stayed with that family at their farm for almost a month in order to fully recover from his injuries. Okay. When he was well enough, he went back to his unit in March 1945. Whilst technically he would have been AWOL during this time... Records indicate that no action was taken against him, although how he avoided punishments for this is unknown. Okay. Yeah, so he managed to get away with running away. Don't know how. Probably because he came back. Probably because no one recognised it as a run. He was doing it on two fucking like broken <laughs> ankles. <laughs> they probably thought it, they probably thought it was one of the sort of prototypical minces. <laughs> they thought he's 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 doing so. Perhaps that's how speed walking got invented. <laughs> It's just occurred to me, because they don't lift their ankles much, they've always got to have a foot in contact with the floor. Yeah, that's it. Run like you've right. got your spine now, that and answers, ankles broken. That answers, <laughs> that answers a long-standing question of mine, which is, when you watch Olympic walking, I always think it like, where is there a situation in life where you would do that where it wouldn't be better to run in real life? <laughs> well, firstly, you don't want to be spotted running, and secondly, you've got two broken ankles. So there you go. He's invented speed walking as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll allow that. <laughs> Add that to his list of accomplishments. At the beginning of April that same year, his regiment was approaching the city of Zwolle in the Netherlands. Information indicated that the city was shown to have strong German resistance. 
the regiment's commanding officer asked for two volunteers to reconnoiter the forces before an artillery strike would begin firing on the city. Okay. Major and his friend, Corporal... Oh, God, here's another name. Willie Arsenal. I, I gathered that, unless his name really <laughs> is Corporal, he is another name. Okay, I'm braced. Go for it. What's it called? Willie Arsenault. Willie Arsenault. Arsenault. Yeah. Willie Arsenault. Yeah. That's a, t- that's a T away from being a fantastic double entendre of a name. <laughs> how, did, how did you get them to bend for you to your will? I whipped out my Willie Arsenal. <laughs> that's why I had to do a double take there, because it's like, I've got to pronounce this very carefully. <laughs> yeah. In my head, your double take was like something out of an episode of Terry and June. The two of them were tasked with getting in contact with the Dutch resistance as the Canadian regiment was to start firing on the city that next day. At the time, Zwolle had a population of around 50,000 people, and it was likely that innocent civilians would number among the casualties. Well, yeah, I mean, unless the town was 50,000 hardened mercenaries, you would think so. (laughs) (laughs) They're all like uh, Leo Major, they're all just bulletproof. Yeah, 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 it's just 50,000, you know, it's a superhero sanctuary or something. (laughs) It's where Ant-Man goes to do some watercolours. Um, now, I, I suspect in a town full of 50,000 civilians, some of them will be civilians. Yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of math we like to do here on this show. It's good math. Math good. Yeah. I dropped the S just so our transatlantic listeners would understand. Around midnight, Arsenal was killed by German fire after accidentally giving away the pair's position. It's Willie Arsenal was left flaccid. Uh, after uh, Arsenal... <laughs> Right, which one was Willie Arsenal again? Um, that's that's the new guy. That's the mate. That's the mate. Right, yeah. and and that's so now his mate's dead. Yeah, German shot him. Right. Okay. I don't ask where. According to reports, Willie was able to kill his attackers before dying himself. Right. Enraged, Major picked up his friend's machine gun and ran at the enemy, killing a further two of them. Oh, of course he fucking did. <laughs> he, he took that as an opportunity to clear Belgium. <laughs> Unfortunately, the rest of the group fled in a vehicle. Is it the same vehicle he stole earlier? Did it take off in a straight line because they couldn't get the crook clock off? (laughs) Drove straight into the sea because it was pointing that way. Despite only being tasked with ascertaining German numbers and contacting the local resistance, Major decided to pursue the fleeing Germans. I misunderstood (laughs) when you said only to ascertain German numbers. I thought you meant phone numbers. And I just thought, what military campaign normally takes place with you going on the pull? (laughs) And I thought, well, he's proved he can do anything else if he wants to fuck a few hundred of them while he's at it. He can call it an afternoon. Right, we mean ascertaining how many were there, don't we? Yes, yes we do. Okay. I'm not Although a military I like your strategist. I don't, I don't know if you can tell that. But I'll have a go. He entered the city and came upon a German staff car. As long as that's all he entered. Because <laughs> frankly, it was turning into Top Gun there for a moment. Well, shit's about to get crazy. <laughs> uh, crazy <laughs> air. Yeah, okay, all right, come on. <laughs> He ambushed and captured the German driver and then led him to a bar where an armed officer was taking a drink. Of course. <laughs> After disarming the German officer, he found that they could both speak French. Major told him that at 6am Canadian artillery would begin firing on the city, 
which would cause numerous casualties amongst both the German troops and the civilians. The officer seemed to understand the situation, so Major took a calculated risk and let him go, hoping that they would spread the news of the hopeless position instead of rallying the troops. As a sign of good faith, he gave the German his gun back. Major then proceeded to run through the city, firing his submachine gun, throwing grenades, and making as much noise as possible so that he could fool the Germans into thinking that the Canadian army was storming the city in earnest. He made sure, however, to place grenades where they wouldn't cause much damage to the town or its citizens. Okay. As he was doing this, he would attack and capture German troops. In the early hours of the morning, he stumbled across a group of eight soldiers. Though they pulled a gun on him, he killed four and caused the rest to flee. Major himself escaped the confrontation. Doesn't go into injury. detail, does it? I mean, so, so, there's, there's, it's the fact that they point they've got a gun on him, and after this, he kills four of them. And yeah. it's like we're missing we're missing a detail here. I I wish I had more. I really do. Is 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 he made of carbon fiber? <laughs> he should have died a few times over by now. He should. It's the casual jaunty stroll I think that's protected him so far. <laughs> Though Major escaped the confrontation without injury, he later said that he had only one regret, that he felt he should have killed more of them. Oh, that's just showing off. <laughs> that, that's like somebody getting a hat-trick in the football and they're interviewed afterwards and they go, no, I'm not having my performance, I should have got four or five, because I'm that <laughs> awesome. He's just like, he's just, uh, by my count, and I might have missed counting, he's just won four world wards by himself. <laughs> um, and he's stolen a car and stuff. And, and and he's got a ready quip, and the ladies love him, and he's done an evening's drinking as well. Um, I, I And he's going, yeah, yeah, not happy. I'll keep it humble. Around ten times during that evening, he captured groups of eight to ten German soldiers, escorting them out of the city and handing them over to French-Canadian troops waiting in the vicinity. Okay. After transferring his prisoners, he would then return to the city to continue his assault. His this story is making it sound... I was going to say, this story is making it sound like a one-man assault at all times. It time. is. I'm just going to go back. Is he Achilles? <laughs> well, he can't be. He broke both his ha- broke his ankles. So Achilles, you'd imagine he, he'd get a heel right, injury in that. In which case, then, is he Achilles's? <laughs> mm, yeah. Or maybe he's like Samson. Maybe they've got to shave his head to finally take him down. Okay. That could go very well in translation. I wouldn't even offer. (laughs) Four times during the night, he had to force his way into civilians' homes to rest. So he's taking naps during this as well. (laughs) He's going through a regeneration cycle, isn't he? We explain a lot. (laughs) I'm surprised it's not in the story that he he slept better and more sexily than everyone else. Well, I, c- I can add that in. If you yeah, want. Okay. Okay. He officially is better and more sexy <laughs> than anyone. Hang on, let me go to his Wikipedia page. <laughs> go on, I'll deface it while we're at it. He eventually located the Gestapo HQ and set the building on fire. Later, stumbling upon the SS HQ, and again, lacking detail here, it says he engaged in a quick but deadly fight with eight Nazi officers. A quick and deadly fight. Four were killed and the others fled. <laughs> Four were killed and the others fled. Yes. So they were—they must have been unarmed. I, I don't... This, this isn't... I'm sceptical. <laughs> I 
I mean, if you find, if you found the biggest wimps I'd ever met in my life, eight of them <laughs> can still have me in a fight. Yeah, but you're not the given, I've got two broken I've invented speedwalking, stolen a car, fucked everyone that moves, got really drunk and kept up a jaunty pace at all times. He's going to cure polio in a minute. He? <laughs> he noticed that two of the SS men he killed were disguised as resistance members. The city's resistance had been or was going to be infiltrated by Nazis. So he's also taken down a spy operation as well. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So he's just ticking them all off. <laughs> now, I, this is, that, that bit, bizarrely, I found plausible. Because <laughs> it, was, it was less, you know, it, it didn't, didn't turn into Enter the Dragon. It was just spotting <laughs> stuff. That's okay. By 4.30am, the exhausted Major found out that the Germans had retreated. An entire garrison, estimated to be made up of several hundred soldiers, had been so afraid of nothing more than a single one-eyed man that they had fled the city. Well I'm just wondering, because he, he only had one eye somewhere <laughs> near the middle of his head at the top, and they probably saw him from distance, they didn't think it was a massive outsized penis coming their way, did they? Because <laughs> frankly, that would scare me. Was he bald? Uh, no, no, he, he's got hair. All right, and he wasn't wearing, like, I don't know, a roll neck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I don't know what Amy's putting into the Google image search now. But... <laughs> no, I was just trying to find bear pictures with, of him and seeing if folks. I can find any, any bald pictures of him wearing a turtleneck. But... <laughs> With one slightly slitty eye. <laughs> okay, carry on. Later that day, Canadian forces were able to enter the city completely unopposed. Hang on, later that day? Yeah. What were they waiting for? Well, it, later that day, what happened in the interim? Or did they just sort of wait to see? I think they you? just stood back and let him do his thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we could commit more troops, but they'll probably die. Leo, he's indestructible. Just let him go, you know. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> After the assault, he took his dead friend, Willie, to the same farm that he had recuperated in so that he could be buried. Okay. He was back at camp by 9am, having single-handedly liberated an entire city. Fair enough. To be honest, I am getting... Uh, I'm a bit embarrassed that I got so excited about the nicking of the car with the crook lock earlier. Because <laughs> that really was just the whore's duvet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, was just, I, that was a taster. That was just a taster. That was, you know, <laughs> sacked Troy... <laughs> but my god look he's taken a horse um, yeah I got excited bit, didn't I so is that the end of our story or does he then finally film the six million dollar man not quite There's, there is a little bit more alright it was at this point that he finally accepted his distinguished service medal though reportedly he still complained about American and British forces getting all the credit and glory for the allied victories so he's still being a grumbly bastard <laughs> Well, the thing is, though, when when forces win a battle, it tends to be easier to say excellent work from the British than it is to say well done, Leo. <laughs> because it just that just raises more questions than answers. <laughs> so I, I'd go with the collective responsibility argument myself. To be fair. Major continued to fight in the war. However, his actions remained relatively normal until the conclusion of the conflict. His actions remained relatively normal. <laughs> but he poured the odd beer up his nostrils, but apart from that... Okay. 
Following the conclusion of World War II, Major returned to civilian life in Canada, where he became a pipe fitter. A pipe fitter? Yeah. He's not that awesome in civvies, is he? No. Did he fit the greatest pipe ever? I was going to say, unless he did some crazy-ass pipe fitting. Yeah. Unless pipe fitting is just a massive euphemism and he carried on with his <laughs> devil-may-care approach to life. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me. <laughs> hey, ladies, ready for a bit of pipe fitting? I've actually got two eyes. Like to see the second one? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> In June 1950, the Korean War began. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Sorry, I can just feel what's coming now. It's like, six years without a rumble, I'm in. Right, go on then. The Canadian government decided to raise a force to join the United Nations in repelling the communist invasion of South Korea. Major, who had retired from the military, was called back into service. Because, of course, he fucking would be. Because he was made of, like carbon fiber <laughs> and shaped like a six foot running penis they thought this could be useful to us i imagine when it says they decided to raise a force they just called him yeah they... he was the force yeah the major force ah <laughs> uh, and there's the film title for this guy's biography yeah we've just got to cast someone who looks like a massive penis jason statham's in right let's I, go I was... I was thinking Jason Statham. <laughs> right, okay, let's go. Not to do you, Dan, you're quite a funny actor, Jason, and a very good action guy. But, like, we're always going to go bald if we want to replicate life-size penises. <laughs> Pratchett Stewart's getting old now. Oh, although he would be awesome in this role. He would be awesome, but the trouble is, you get someone with that sort of loose chin, you know, gives the wrong impression as to where the balls are hanging. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I should have listened to the warnings about you. <laughs> You've podcasted with me before. <laughs> Major joined the Scout and Sniper Platoon of the 2nd Battalion, the Royal 22nd Regiment Scout of the 20th. and Sniper Platoon. So that's yes. gunmen and what, Boy Scouts? Because <laughs> that, that's quite an eccentric division, in my opinion. Well, the little ones can sneak through easily. I'd rather join the Brownies and Bombers. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot I've got some Korean place names in here. Okay. Okay, let's see if I can get this done. I would help you out, but I don't want to. In October 1951, Major fought in the first battle of Mariang Sang. Okay. That's that's the best I can do. Where he received a bar to his Distinguished Service Medal by capturing and holding a... Do you know what's funny about that? You got Mariang Sang out and then stroke and then tripped over medal? <laughs> Thanks, it's almost like pointing that out. It's almost like... It, it, it's a bit like... Al Capone being brought down for tax evasion. <laughs> that was just like, oh, come on, you beat all the difficult stuff, really? Okay, carry on. During the battle, he was tasked with capturing and holding a key hill, Hill 355, nicknamed Little Gibraltar. It was a strategic feature that commanded the train for 20 miles around, so the communists were determined to take it back before the truce talks came into agreement which would lock each side into their present positions. Okay. Hill 355 was held by the 3rd US Infantry Division, who linked up with the Canadians' Royal 22nd Regiment on the Americans' western flank. 
On November 22nd, the 64th Chinese Army, consisting of around 40,000 men, lowered a decisive artillery barrage. Over the course of two Hang days, on a minute. The 64th Chinese Army. Now, is that a division, or do they just have elections every four years? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the 100th Congress. Okay. Um... China and elections, probably not. No. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know they do it ask about face. They do, all the democratic institutions they don't have elections and then like hardcore military. <laughs> okay, so anyway, so forty thousand men they did what? Uh, so they launched an artillery barrage on the hill. Okay. Over the course of two days, the Americans were pushed back from the hill by elements of the Chinese one hundred ninetieth and one hundred ninety first divisions. Okay. So the 65th to 189th that's kind of sitting this one out. The 3rd U.S. Infantry Division tried to recapture the hill, but without any success. And the Chinese have moved to the nearby hill, 227, practically surrounding the Canadian forces. To relieve pressure, the lieutenant colonel commanding the... <laughs> to relieve pressure on what? I've been single a long time. This has not went out while I'm waiting. To relieve pressure, the lieutenant colonel commanding the 2nd Battalion brought up the elite scout and sniper team led by Leo Major. Armed with Sten submachine guns and wearing sneakers, Major and his 18 men silently crept up Hill 355. Silently? Well, they're they're wearing wearing sneakers. Oh, you did just say that, to be fair. Yeah, but they squeak sometimes. (laughs) They, They should have gone up there in, like, carpet slippers. (laughs) <laughs> or those big slippers like grandparents used to sit in front of the fire with. They should have just basically... for him. <laughs> yeah, they'd have had to hop slightly, but... Well, we yeah. know Major's good with the weird walks. We, war films would be very different if I wrote them. <laughs> they'd be filth, but everyone would be in comfortable footwear. At a signal, Major's men opened fire, panicking the Chinese, who were trying to understand why the firing was coming from the centre of their troops instead of from the outside. Why he, why he was shooting lasers from his one good eye <laughs> and saying, gotcha, suckers, <laughs> after every barrage. By 12.45am, they had retaken the hill. That's quite a precise time check, isn't it? Is that how war works, do you reckon? You know, The moment you're victorious, someone goes, what time is it? However, an hour later, two Chinese divisions, totalling around 14,000 men, counterattacked and tried to retake the hill. Major was ordered to retreat, but him being him, he refused. He ordered his men to take cover on the hill and held the enemy off throughout the night, calling in a regimental mortar fire on his own position. Again, it doesn't go into detail. He just holds them off. <laughs> just puts his hand out on their foreheads and they're like just punching <laughs> thin air. He called in regimental mortar fire on his own position, so close to him that Major's own mortar bombs were practically falling on him. The commander of the mortar platoon later wrote that Major was an audacious man, not satisfied with the proximity of my barrage, and asked to bring it closer. Filth. In my effect, the barrage falls so close that I can hear my bombs explode when he speaks to me on the radio. The mortar firing was said to be so intense that the mortar tubes glowed red hot and ultimately became useless. Okay. After three days of repeated attacks... Surely they they, they would have achieved nothing against his ice breath as well. (laughs) After three days of attacks from over 14,000 Chinese soldiers, reinforcements arrived. Major and his 18 men had successfully held the hill against 14,000 enemy combatants. Okay. Major received his second Distinguished Conduct Medal, becoming one of only three soldiers to ever receive the medal twice in separate wars, and the only Canadian to ever do so. 
He summed up his exploits by saying, I fought with only one good eye, and I did pretty good. It's just pointing out his disability, really, isn't he? I, I, you know, <laughs> do it humbly or don't do it. You know, wow, I did have flat feet. <laughs> you know, like, you know, wow, I had bad breath and I still did well. Do you know what? He's coming off as a bit of a bellend, despite his heroism. To be fair, though, when you and 18 of your mates hold off 14,000 bad guys, I think it's going to go to your head. Yeah, but I, I come out with some quips and shit. We've seen no, we've, <laughs> we've seen no evidence that you know he has some kiss offline that would fucking win the day. Major died on October twelfth, two thousand eight. Where did he die, Amy? Not to torture you and your uh, pronunciation, of course. Uh, Quebec. Yeah, right. That's not the word I'm reading here. <laughs> cool. Well done. Nice swerve. No. He, oh no. Sorry. That's where he was buried. Ah. Where did he die? Longulil. I don't know. He died somewhere in Canada. That was a bit cruel of me, really, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. Carry on. <laughs> he was survived by his wife, four children and five grandchildren. Right. The Dutch citizens of Zwolle never forgot Leo Major. Starting in the 1970s and until his death in 2008, he periodically returned to the city and was given a hero's welcome each time, cheered on by its citizens. The children were taught in schools about the one-eyed liberator who saved their city from destruction. To be fair, I was having a go at egotism, but like, if I got that sort of welcome, I'd yeah. manage to. I'd, I'd have an excuse to visit most days. <laughs> if every time you rocked up, they made you sit in the car fucking and shoulder carry <laughs> every day. <laughs> Open top bus ride, crowds of adoring fans. <laughs> See you tomorrow. He became an honorary citizen of this city in 2005 and has been a subject of news articles and documentaries ever since. Well, the only point I've got about that is you said documentaries I can understand. News articles is while short on news. I mean, tonight on the news, 60 years ago, doesn't really work, does it? I imagine every time he turned up, it was the Terminators back in town. Yeah. Do you reckon they call him that? Hopefully, after the release of Terminator, they started to because yeah, it fits. <laughs> it it, it well, I don't think Arnie killed that many people in that film, did he? <laughs> Actually, and he only had to get older like two people. So he's better than a Terminator. He's better than a Terminator. <laughs> Plus, when he lost an eye, it didn't look like you know flesh over metal endoskeleton. It might have. I only got pictures of him with the eye patch on. We don't know what's underneath. We don't know what's underneath. It could be one of those red eye things. <laughs> it wouldn't that surprise would, me. That would explain. That would explain. And so, which might, might mean there were several of him on the field, which is why he did so well. <laughs> and he could just like smash his hand through the window, steal the tank. I'm a bit obsessed with him stealing this vehicle at the start, aren't I? I've, I've missed the bigger, I've, I've missed the bigger picture here, haven't I? Yeah, you're focusing on the minor. I'm focusing on the minor bits. Right. What did you, what did you and Amy talk about? So, ah, oh, she had this story about like Lee Majors from the Six Million Dollar Man. <laughs> oh right, okay. Well, what, what about him? He stole a car, apparently. <laughs> oh, and uh, and uh, and he was the Terminator. <laughs> Wasn't that Arnold? I don't know. Not really fucking listening. I just like the fact that when you um, Google image search Leo Major, the third line down, the first image is of a screaming eye patched Nick Fury. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's probably what he would actually have looked like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it the Samuel L. Jackson Nick Fury? No, the original. 
I was going to say, because I'm, I'm not picturing this guy African-American. <laughs> so that was the insane military career of Leo Major. There, I, there wasn't enough romance in it for me, or visits to the cinema. I think he did altogether too much fighting. I think he was a bit... <laughs> <laughs> Which is not the sort of thing you want in a war. That, that moment where he went into the bar with the, the German officer, I thought, you know, maybe something's going to happen. I thought, but... it was gonna, I thought it was a bit of a pr- sort of precursor to Saturday Night Fever. I thought he was going to bust some moves. <laughs> and then it turns out they practiced their French and talked about some hill or something. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't even work as a euphemism. So I'm impressed, but I'm not that impressed. I was, I was hoping for some fucking sexy bastard who walked about with a bit of a swagger, which I think I could do. Well, I can try and get you some sex in your story next time. Sorry, I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've never been so pleased for the second half of a sentence. Because <laughs> I was just like, fucking hell, that escalated quickly. Well, he's disappointed with the story. Hang on, well, I can get you some sex. But fucking hell. Well, you know, thanks, Amy. But... <laughs> yes, yes, let's get some filth into the next one. Sex can be enjoyable, <laughs> even when you're offered it really impromptu on a fucking podcast. God, that gave me... Honestly, my heart was in my fucking mouth for a second then. I was just like, what the... That took a left turn. Oh, in my next story. Okay. It's been a pleasure, Amy. No, it's 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 been enjoyable having you on the show. If people liked what they heard, if they, if they enjoyed this, where can they find you online? Where can they... Uh, catch you doing more podcasts i guess in that kind of mode the closest thing would be smorgasbord so if you go to twitter at smorgasbord pod uh that's board spelt b-o-r-e-d it's not my podcast it's pete gastel's podcast but i have been on that uh alongside amy in the past uh most notably on this christmas special my podcast is do you expect us to talk which is a film retrospective podcast as you may gather from the name that it was sort of named after the bond series so the first sort of third of our episodes of bond we've just passed 100 episodes and we've currently we're just about to start quentin tarantino it's recorded and it will be out this weekend so around the same time you're hearing this i would have thought um i also appear at movieviral.com on a podcast called politflix which as the name suggests is much more about the sort of social issues and political themes of various films and filmmakers cool Thank you. And uh, yeah, Do You Expect This Talk is a really good podcast. So if there's any film fans listening, you should definitely check it out. It's the most tonally confused podcast of, of all time, but you probably <laughs> enjoy it because it's really serious and really not. No, that's that's brilliant. Thank you for, for having come on. And I don't know about the listeners, but I certainly enjoyed having you on the show. So you definitely was great. have to try and come back again next time. Yeah, definitely. Anytime you like. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Acast, Podbean, SoundCloud and a whole host of podcast providers. You can also follow us on social media where you can be kept up to date about all our episodes as well as getting little history facts every single day. You can find us on Twitter by going to at eccentric underscore earth Our Facebook page is at Eccentric Earth, and we're also on Instagram with our account Eccentric Earth. If you want to get in contact with us or want to suggest any topics for us to cover in the future, our email address is eccentricearth at outlook.com. Thank you once again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. (laughs) 